U.S. allowed dollar access effectively to Shenzhen, which is a very sort of a risk-filled proposition for all sides. Um, for GBA in general, you know, I'm optimistic for the mainland. I'm just not so optimistic for Hong Kong. Okay, well, thank you very much, Brock. Happy New Year. Happy, happy Year of the Tiger. That's Brock Silvers, Chief Investment Officer at Kyan Capital. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for the Year of the Ox. In fact, the SX200 in Australia uh, down about 0.2%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is flat. Hong Kong markets are open for just half a day today before being closed uh, for the next uh, three days. And futures markets indicating a decline of about 70 points for the Hang Seng at uh, the open later on this morning. Money Talk will be back on Friday after the Lunar New Year holidays. I'll be here for the next three days with some special holiday shows from 6 to 10 in the morning on Radio 3. So please join, try and join me then if you can. In the meantime... From all of us on the Money Talk team, I wish you a very happy, healthy and successful Year of the Tiger. Stay tuned to Radio 3 Back Chat coming up after the news with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse this morning. The weather forecast, cold in the morning and at night, cloudy with a few rain patches. Temperatures going to linger around 15 degrees during the day. It's still going to be relatively cold on Lunar New Year's Day as well. There is a cold weather warning in force. It's 15 degrees right now, 73% relative humidity. 8.31 and a half, here's Andy Shorsky with the half-hour news. Authorities say a resident of Shekwa House in Kwai Chung's Sekle estate has tested positive for COVID during an overnight lockdown that was imposed after the virus was found in sewage samples. The Center for Health Protection says it'll follow up on the preliminary positive case. A separate lockdown of four tenement buildings in Tokwawan did not yield any positive cases. Respiratory medicine expert and government advisor David Hoy says people shouldn't expect the introduction of vaccine passes alone to be enough to ease social distancing measures. Professor Hoy said the restrictions on entry for unvaccinated people to be implemented next month may have to include public transport. In principle, public areas such as these sort of crowded areas should be covered by the vaccine pass. However, there are some practical issues. How do you actually check the individual citizens? So that is actually uh, requiring a lot of thinking within the government, whether to cover these areas. Certainly, the vaccine pass is important, but you also need to look at the outbreak control. If you still have double digits every day, high double digits, and also a lot of cases of unknown source, you're not going to relax any of the social distancing measures, right? The health secretary, Sophia Chan, has led calls for people to take care and limit gatherings during this week's Lunar New Year holiday. Writing on her official blog, Professor Chan said people could send their Year of the Tiger greetings virtually to avoid spreading COVID-19. The Center for Health Protection's Dr. Chuang Shukchuan said several new COVID patients had joined family gatherings last Sunday. She urged caution during the holiday. Be careful, especially if there are elderly involved or who has not yet get vaccinated. If they get infected, uh, there may be uh, some complications. The SAR recorded 81 new cases yesterday, 77 of them local. 15 cases had no clear source. And the Israeli president, Itzhak Herzog, is in the United Arab Emirates on the first visit there by an Israeli head of state. Israel has offered security and intelligence support to the UAE, which has suffered drone attacks by Houthi rebels based in Yemen twice in the past month. 
As he set off, Mr. Herzog said, it wasn't every day that one had the privilege of making history. I will be meeting the leadership of the United Arab Emirates at the invitation, personal invitation, of Prince Muhammad bin Zayed, the Crown Prince, and I am grateful for his courage and bold leadership, carving out a peace agreement with Israel and sending a message to the entire region that peace is the only alternative for the peoples in the region. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. Here we go again. Uh, we, uh, indeed we do. And on today's programme we're talking about uh, tourism and travel during the pandemic. Uh, with uh, travel restrictions remaining in place in many countries around the world, the tourism and travel industries continue to suffer the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Asia's largest uh, operator of sea cruises, uh, Genting Hong Kong, has filed to wind up the company, saying its uh, cash is running out. And one of Hong Kong's best-known tour operators, Morningstar Travel Services, has also decided to call it a day after 50 years of business, with an industry leader expecting the uh, sector's woes to continue for the rest of 2022 at least. Meanwhile, Hong Kong has announced the easing of the quarantine period for travellers entering the territory from 21 days to 14. But flight bans from eight countries have been extended for another two weeks. The international business community has welcomed the uh, decision on the quarantine but says that 14 days is still too long for business travellers. After 9.15, we'll talk about distributing Lycee and how we can celebrate the Lunar New Year in a more environmentally friendly fashion. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 Joining us uh, now uh, with us in the studio, we have uh, Jeff Bent, uh, Managing Director of uh, Worldwide Cruise terminals. Uh, also on the line, we have uh, Mark Michelson, uh, chairman of the uh, Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. And uh, two other guests will be joining us uh, a little bit later. Um, uh, first of all, uh, Jeff Bent, good morning to you. Good morning, Chairman Mike. So, uh, this news about um, Genting, which uh, operates. Um, several cruise lines, uh, Star Cruises, Dream Cruises, Crystal Cruises. Um, what does it mean for the cruise industry now that uh, uh, Genting has filed to wind up the company? I think it's a picture of different government policy responses in different areas because on one hand, we see that the international cruise lines operating in Europe, North South America, Middle East, are, are basically back to business as usual, and 80% um, of, of the fleet is, is sailing, um, whereas uh, Genting is a little bit more uh, geography-constrained in, in Asia and has had a much harder go of it. And, um, you know, while their own corporate actions uh, have something to do with the situation they're in today, uh, of course, um, the the inability to operate for for the best part of two years here in Hong Kong, as well as a fairly long um, shutdown in other jurisdictions as well, has has really caused their ultimate demise. 
Genting is part of a wider conglomerate, uh, isn't it, with, uh, uh, which has international interests, um, theme parks and, uh, and, and casinos and, and, and that sort of thing? So. It is. I, I believe there were sort of four um, large uh, Genting companies, uh, including Genting Berhad in Malaysia, which is perhaps the ultimate parent and uh, origin of the company, but um, but there's also a, a Genting Singapore, and and the uh, the company that's being liquidated now is Genting Hong Kong. Good uh, morning, Jeff. Where where could you sail to from Hong Kong and get off? Nowhere, just <laughs> just Hong Kong. Yeah. So so when um, when cruises were operating here uh, for the last half of. 2021, um, it was all on a cruise to nowhere basis. So only locals, uh, only fully vaccinated um, people, 12 and up, everybody tested within 48 hours, but but just onto the high seas and back. Um, fortunately, you know, modern cruise ships have so many amenities on board now that it's, it's like a floating theme park and there are um, you know, dozens of of F and B outlets and and places to go on on board. Right. So, I know people use the cruise for for staycation, an yes. alternative, because rather than a hotel on on shore, maybe looking out the window at the same old stuff, it uh, feels a bit different. Yes, it was good. So, if you sailed out of Hong Kong, you couldn't land in Singapore. You couldn't land in Malaysia or Thailand. No, uh, not today, although um, it seems that um, perhaps later this year, um, Singapore will start allowing cruises with um, itineraries uh, able to stop in, in some of their um, nearby partners' countries. Because I remember when we were making the case for a cruise terminal in the first place, we talked about Hong Kong being a natural hub because it was a week up to Tokyo with maybe a stop in Taiwan and on the mainland, or a week down to Singapore with a, with one or two stop in Vietnam, Thailand, and so on. So your hub goes if you if you can never get off. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess on one hand, it's a, a testament to the strength of our our local source market. Uh, Hong Kong people love to love to travel. That you know this whole concept of of cruise to nowhere could could even could even work. Um, but, uh, but longer term, the, the operators need to be able to operate full itineraries, uh, with some transparency, uh, as to what the policies will, will be. And some certainty. And certainty. Yeah. Mm. So what's going to happen now to those, uh, those cruise lines and, and their ships? Well, the, um, the great thing about having had a locally based cruise line, I, I should say the only major cruise line based in Asia, um, you know, there are some sort of one or two ship outfits in, in other countries. But, you know, this was a, a line that had three brands sailing on on multiple continents with a, a range of ships. And um, and that was a real asset to us. You, you can imagine um, what an airport is like in a city that doesn't have a home carrier. It's it's an entirely different ballgame. Uh, and there are plenty of cities that have airports that don't have a home carrier, but it's uh, but you don't get the connectivity and, and throughput and um, diverse choices of places to go that you get when 
when you have a, a locally based operator. So for the for the international cruise lines, you know they have they have a lot of choices. They can send the ships anywhere they anywhere they like, places where there's sort of a more transparent, stable policy environment to to operate in. And of course, um, that's what they have to choose. Okay. Um, well, also with us uh, this morning is uh, Mark Michelson, uh, chairman. Uh, and uh, of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Jim and Mr. Rouse. Yeah, so, so um, uh, Mark, tell us, how, um, how many of your members are involved in uh, uh, tourism and travel? Well, quite a few of them are at least indirectly because they're involved in hospitality, too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those in the hotel business and so on, and they just keep getting blow after blow. It's been, uh, it's been pretty rough, and those are the ones, of course, who are asking for a little help from various governments, including this one. What, Mark, good morning. What can we, what can we do to help? You see, I, sorry, this morning star I see opened around about the same time I arrived in Hong Kong. It's the name I've... 50 years ago. 50 yeah. years ago. It's been a name I've always known of, and it looks as though they're going out as well. Yeah, the, I mean, it's, it's hard after so long. You know, it's, just, it's the same for, for, for people that have, especially expats, but others too, because part of the part of the attraction of Hong Kong is that it's a it's a hub, as was mentioned, and you can travel. And uh, when you can't, even even on cruises to nowhere, then it becomes a bit more attractive, and you look for alternatives. And we're seeing a lot of people doing this for a lot of reasons, uh, different reasons, but this is certainly one of them. Right, because your members, some of you said, are directly or indirectly involved in travel, but even all the others who are not part of the travel industry. Their executives need to move around the region. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's it's continued to weigh heavily on on company and personal sentiments, even after the the uh, maximum quarantine period is going to be reduced from from three to two weeks. And surveys, you've probably seen surveys by business groups, they worry that the zero COVID approach could isolate the, us as a financial hub and fuel a large, larger exodus of staff and companies when other places like Singapore are relaxing restrictions and learning to live with the coronavirus, at least for now. Don't know if that's right medically, but from a personal standpoint, it affects a lot of people. So how much difference is that decision going to make to reduce the quarantine period from three weeks to two weeks? I mean, it'll make some, and I think, as you've heard, it's welcome. But at the same time, when you look around the world, a lot of other places don't have that. So... A lot of a lot of members of our group, for example, several of them are are leaving. If they're not leaving Hong Kong, for, say if they're not leaving Hong Kong for good, they go to Singapore for for three or three months because they can use that as a base, for example, to travel elsewhere or to Europe or to somewhere else. So Hong Kong is being emptied out at least temporarily, partly because of the situation. And so two, you know, they don't have to go two weeks in most other places or many other places. Right. Mark, I was reading um, yesterday about the situation in Japan, which is also yes. pretty stiff, but the quarantine hotels are paid for by the government. Yes. Um, and generally people made welcome. Uh, yeah, sorry, we have to do this to you, but it's not a punishment and, and we'll cover the bill and, we'll, and that way the hotels cannot misbehave and cut corners on the hospitality side. That's right, and that's that's you know it's a typical Japanese response. They they have they're pretty restrictive at the moment too, and it's pretty hard to go in and out of Japan for any travelers uh, after the Olympics, especially. But at the same time, 
every every little thing helps but it's just the length of time and also looking forward looking like the policy isn't going to change dramatically uh, for at least the rest of the year you know that may be wrong but that's that's the implications right now whatever happened to the wristbands that we used to have to enforce home quarantine I don't know. You'd have to ask the government. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my son came back from the UK two years ago, and it was fine. He he could self-isolate in a, a particular apartment, but he had a wristband, and that way the government could be sure that he was complying with the conditions. That That all seems to have melted away. I wonder if that wouldn't have avoided the problems with flight crew and other people. It, it might have helped, and, and these were being enforced informally, too. I... I saw somebody when this was in force uh, coming out of their out of their building, and they apparently didn't have their wristband on, and they were confronted by neighbors. Yes. So you know, it's, it's sort of interesting. Yeah, actually, so the quarantine period, uh, the, the the compulsory hotel quarantine, that will be reduced to two weeks. But it's still still the third week will involve medical surveillance at home when you're not allowed to go out. So. In that sense, it doesn't really make a lot of difference, does it? Because you not still, really. when you come back to Hong yeah, Kong, I mean, you still have to three weeks some. away from the office. Yeah. Makes some, but it's not dramatic, and especially if this continues, that other places are just are making it easier step by step. And I thought the the period for Omicron, especially, was three to five days, the incubation period. So what what's the tie up from that three to five days to fourteen days, well, let yeah. alone twenty one? just raises another issue that a lot of our members have, have brought up as well is communication they keep getting when they get communication from the government or from other sources it sometimes is contradictory or it's it's not very clear and i know it's a it's just it's a difficult situation because this this uh, disease evolves in many unsuspecting right. ways but at the same time it makes the situation even worse for people who are trying to make decisions about what to do going forward you think Hong Kong should still uh, wrap itself to the national policy on this? Or is it time we started thinking of um, opening ourselves to the world? Uh, if that's for me, I, I think that's, that's, for you. that's a decision for the, for the Hong Kong government. I'm not, I'm not sure if they have options. Right. Jeff? I think the most important thing is that we continue to be transparent and adaptable about the policies. There was sort of one type of policy that we had when all we could do was test, and then another type of policy when vaccines first came out. And then now we're looking at another few months until we get effective medicinal treatments, uh, as well as you know a change in the um, variety of uh, of the virus itself, so so I think the the main thing is you know can we make another step change after we have effective medicinal treatments and and keep pushing forward somehow and and uh, opening more and and closing less. What about this? Uh, they call it passports. Would it be a piece of paper that you have to carry with you or something on your mobile phone? before you can enter a restaurant or anywhere else? Seems like a good idea to me. Right. I mean, it, it, France has done it pretty strictly and Macron's taken it, taken it on the chin, but we, we still seem to be dragging our feet. Yeah, this has been done elsewhere, and I, you hope it, it would work in places. It's just some flexibility is what a lot of people are looking for, if it's possible. 
And there's going to be a test, too, to see if Omicron, if some are right, that if it eases off, that that will make the situation slightly better or maybe dramatically better with the disease. And if that happens, how are, how are governments going to react? So we want the government to follow the science, but to, to follow it closely and be flexible, adaptable? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people, understandably, are grateful that there's been a tough policy because obviously we haven't been as adversely affected by yet by uh, by by COVID as, as a lot of other places. Yeah, and a very... So realize uh, the advantages uh, of that, too. A very low mortality rate. Yeah. Just only 213 fatalities, which is... Uh, and none recently. Uh, uh, none for several weeks, as far as I'm aware, yeah. That's right. So, it's it's yeah. a balancing act, I think. You know, on, on one hand, um, you know, especially people with family overseas, I think, you know, we've all known somebody who's been severely impacted by, by COVID and are grateful to have this um, safe living environment. But um, on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm really concerned of, um, about the travel and transport industry in, in Hong Kong, um, and I'm concerned that it's going to get hollowed out. And if the locally based companies um, are either forced to fold and go bankrupt or to become, you know, such a, a small shadow of their former selves, then um, who's going to step in and, and fill in the vacuum when things get back to normal? It'll be um, non-Hong Kong-based companies that can increase their capacity and pick up market share and do everything else. And then we kind of lose that, well, not just the, the hub status, but also the headquarters status. The everything that we yeah. try to yeah. do with Invest Hong Kong, you know, keep the highly paid jobs in Hong Kong, keep the profits being remitted into Hong Kong rather than the other direction. And if we, it's, it's, a, it's a tough balancing act, but um, we, we just have to uh, make sure that we at least maintain the, um, the capabilities and that there, there can't be more bankruptcies. Right. So After Genting, are we looking at Cathay Pacific? Well, Cathay Pacific had to rely on the government. I, th I guess the government felt that they were, you know, too big to fail. Um, but um, the the ones who cannot rely on on policy or government support, you know, also make a significant contribution to to Hong Kong. And and we don't want to lose any more morning stars either, for that matter. Mm. Cathay Pacific still only operating at two percent of passenger. Com capacity compared with uh, pre-pandemic levels. Still more than 90% um, down yeah. from, from a year before. I just want to <laughs> make a, just build on what Jeff said about pubs. That's really an important point, and that's, that's a worry. As it gets longer and longer, the value of, of the attraction of being a hub or of, of, of maintaining its hub status is more of a challenge. It is for Singapore, too. You may have seen stories the past couple of days that Singapore also is losing expats and they're worried about that affecting their hub status too. Is there something about the character of a city? It's more cosmopolitan if it has talented locals, talented uh, international people, and then in our case, of course, talented mainlanders. It was a plus for us, but it, if we're losing the international element, um, we're going to struggle. Uh, prospective investment for Invest Hong Kong, as I recall it. 
as I recall you yes. writing the script. Yes, I think so. <laughs> well, you mean because it changes the character of a place? If it's if it's uh, if yes. there are fewer people from around the world, it's less international and therefore less attractive. I mean, I mean? We, there are lots of talents in the mainland, and when the mainlanders can uh, travel freely here and not be subject, because they are of course subject to quarantine as well. I don't think we're going to have a talent shortage um, as such. I think we can still draw. We'll become an attractive place like in, in, the, in the UK. London attracts the best and the brightest. Um, in, the, in the States, on the East Coast, um, New York or, or Boston or whatever, people are attracted. The best and the brightest go where the action is. And I, from that point of view, I think we're still going to be attractive to mainlanders from the whole country. Um, but and that will keep our talent levels up, um, as long as we don't lose too many of our own own local talent as well. But we are going to lose that met, that cosmopolitan flavour as a place, which makes it less desirable for the locals and uh, and the mainlanders. Makes us Asia's world city, uh, but but at the same time, <laughs> I, you know, I, I I agree on the point about about mainlanders. From my from a small a small sample, I, I teach it. Chinese University, and most of my students are from the mainland, and many of them stay. And that includes this year's this year's classes as well. They're very interested in the attractions of Hong Kong, and they they find some of those same characteristics that we've been describing still attractive. So, uh, as Mike says, I think that's going to be a continuing uh, continuing theme. Well, I, as you know, Mark very well. I lecture once a year on your course. And I will also be lecturing on other courses as well at other universities. Um, yeah, predominantly mainlanders now and very bright and very eager. It's, it's great to attract the best and the brightest from everywhere, but also it's important to have a diversity of voices and ideas and opinions. And this is what sparks creative ideas and, and differentiation. You know, if, if you're best and brightest but homogenous, you still won't get the the outcome that you get with a diverse range of of ideas and voices and backgrounds and opinions. So uh, yeah, so Jeff Bent, you're in the cruise industry, obviously. We, we, we mentioned um, we mentioned uh, aviation just now, Cathay Pacific. Uh, uh, how do you see uh, the prospects for the uh, airline business uh, in this part of the world? Um, uh, mentioned Cathay, obviously. Singapore Airlines, I think their business is back to something like 50% of what it was before the pandemic started. So is it a sort of uh, uneven picture across the region? I think the um, they're doing quite well with cargo now. So so although the passenger side is has been fairly decimated uh, in Hong Kong, um, at, at least the picture for cargo is good in, in places that have high-value goods to be to be shipped. Um, but of course, it's better um, for places that have um, large domestic economies where the passenger volume is also good as <laughs> as well as the cargo. So we're we're kind of um, relying uh, on on one, but we don't have the other. And of course, a lot of cargo moves in the holds of of passenger aircraft. Yes, if your passenger um, lines are, are not running. Uh, you lose that cargo capacity. Yes. To, so to an extent, is, you can replace it with cargo-only flights. Yeah, but, I, I believe they said you know their their capacity for cargo is still down some some twenty percent um, because there aren't the volume of of passenger flights operating even when they operate some 
passenger flights without passengers to only carry <laughs> cargo as as they're doing i believe in in europe so um so it's uh not as good as it as it could be yeah they really need both sides of the business to balance out um um mark uh, another um announcement the other day was uh the, the flight bans uh, from eight countries, um, Australia, Canada, France, India, Pakistan, the Philippines, Britain and the US, uh, extended to February the 18th. Uh, how important is it, do you think, that, uh, that those restrictions um, are lifted in the, well, the not-too-distant future? Uh, I, I, think, I think it is important, including for the airlines that have been affected. You can think of some of the American airlines that have not done uh, particularly well, not just recently, but... But for months, vis-a-vis uh, -vis Hong Kong, haven't even had flights. But for individuals, it's also an issue. They have to they have to be acrobatic. They have to find other ways of getting back to Hong Kong. So if they go to the U.S. or if they go to Europe or Australia or whatever whatever restricted uh, countries, then they have to find another way of coming back to Hong Kong. And a lot of other people are trying to do that too. So it delays them coming back. It makes them rethink what they're going to be doing going forward. It's just not good for the future of Hong Kong for these for these kind of businesses. Okay, okay, Mark. Well, thank you for joining us uh, on the program this morning. Uh, that was Mark Michelson, uh, chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Um, uh, Jeff Bent of Worldwide Crude Terminals is going to uh, stay with us for a, a little while longer. We've got a, a new summary coming up, and we'll be back uh, at three minutes past. Uh, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK.HK. Sorry, backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Um, the weather is going to be uh, cold in the morning and at night and uh, uh, remaining relatively cold over the Lunar New Year holidays. It's currently 15 degrees, humidity 70%. The cold weather warning is in effect. Bent, Managing Director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals, and also now uh, joining us uh, on the line, we have uh, Freddie Yip, uh, President of the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association. Um, good morning to you, uh, Mr Yip. Good morning, good morning. Uh, good morning. So uh, we had the news the other day about uh, Morningstar Travel Services uh, uh, ceasing operations after 50 years uh, in business. I mean, uh, um, how, uh, what, what sort of shape is the uh, travel agent uh, business in at the moment? Uh, it was really a very sad day mm -hmm. on the last Friday. Uh, we, we got to know that the Ginting uh, cruise has to uh, stop and suspend the service and yeah. they want to, they need to liquidate the, the, the company in Hong Kong. Immediately they lay off uh, more than 600 staff on the day, on Friday, and the same day, uh, we we learned that the Morningstar travel agent uh, uh, need, need to liquidate and wipe up the uh, business. So it happened on the same day. So uh, it's very sad and uh, very disappointed uh, because the travel industry and um, the travel agents, they have been suffering quite a long time for more than two years keep on waiting uh, to, uh, to resume the, the, the business. And the uh, Kinting Cruises uh, stop operate uh, in Hong Kong. Also, we learned that the RCI, World Caribbean uh, 
company, they also intended to send the crews, the spectrum of the sea, to Singapore uh, due to the, the policy in Hong Kong is not uh, so transparent to them. And they, uh, they, they, the headquarters find out that they are uh, quite difficult to keep on running the business in Hong Kong. And uh, honestly speaking, uh, once the lockdown in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong people cannot travel overseas or uh, we cannot open the border. They can't go to uh, China for, for vacation. And the only way that we can carry our business is the cruise nowhere, operated by two different cruises uh, niners in Hong Kong, and also some local tour, and also the staycation. And we, uh, the travel agency has been uh, streamed down the courses in the past two years without uh, uh, doing any business. They lay off the staff, they, uh, most of the staff are getting the no-pay leave, and they moved the uh, offices from the bigger office to the small office. And uh, once uh, there are some uh, travel agency, they have so many outlets, and they need to uh, swim down and close the shop one by one to keep the operation uh, operation as, uh, in Hong Kong to to wait. So. Uh, it's, uh, we don't know what to do now without the cruise nowhere business. I find out that some of the um, members of my association, they are, uh, they are so happy to have some business um, booking make uh, for the clients for the cruises to make commissions and getting back some of the uh, staff uh, to work. But I like... Um, the LCI Royal Caribbean night, uh, the cruise, they start operate in October, the middle of October. So after a month of sailing, then they need to stop and suspend the service for 21 days due to one of the crew member has suspected cases. Finally, they find out that there's a negative case and still they have to stop 21 days. They lost a lot of... Uh, business and money. Then continue to have the operation again uh, for less than uh, a month. Then uh, the policy uh, have to uh, tighten up again and stop the services uh, last month since uh, up to now. Right. So uh, we are all facing a very, very big problem. Uh, and we have no choice. We don't know what to do. Um, the, the different parties has been raising up a lot of uh, requests or uh, uh, lobbying the government to keep the cruises, uh, uh, the, them uh, continue the service uh, for the Hong Kong people because comparing with these uh, staycation or the local tour, I find out that the Hong Kong people like to travel. Uh, on the cruises and, and now uh, everything has been stopped and uh, we don't know what to do right mr yip this obviously is a tough time for your industry if we maintain the present policies for the rest of 2022 
how many travel agents will we have left? Okay, this is a very, very good question. Uh, we got about 1,700 uh, licenses of the travel agency in Hong Kong, but the official uh, record um, showing that last year there are less than 100 licenses has been suspended, uh, terminated, or they give up. So still there are more than 1,600 licensed agents. But among these travel agencies, there are... 95% or 98%, most of them, they are the very small travel agency. They can manage themselves well because they don't have uh, a huge expenses like the big one. Right. They, uh, they, they, take, they can run. Uh, they can just keep the license. So you are talking about those, about 50 or 60 or 70 uh, middle, medium size or big uh, license uh, agency, it, it, they are they are all facing a very tough time in the past year, and they trim down all the courses already, and uh, make it to a very very minimal right. um, um, uh, courses. And uh, look, I have been uh, talking to them from time to time, including my travel agency as well. And uh, we need to keep uh, the, uh, the cash uh, as much as we can in the company to maintain uh, the, the minimum expenses like paying rent and the staff. But if we continue like this happen, I don't think uh, we can uh, afford on it. But, but if you say, will they give up? I think most of them, they are not willing to give the, 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 the license because to keep the license is not that expensive. Right. Uh, yeah. but, some, uh, we, we, we don't have any business to do at all. Some smaller operators, what you're saying, maybe they're working from home or a, a shared office. They've cut their overheads to the bone. They can I survive. I find out a very interesting point in the past one or two years that most of the travel agency, uh, especially the small one, uh, they are quite all right because the, they are not only running the travel agency. They are doing the other uh, side business, uh, side business like trading or some employment agency or they have uh, so many other uh, income they are doing at the same time because running a travel agency by themselves, they don't keep, they don't need to keep uh, many staff. They can work by themselves or, or one or two staff to maintain um, the, the right. travel agency running. But we are talking about the big one. Mm. Around 10, 20 big travel agency. Most of these agencies, they are backing up by a big group like the Morning Star. Uh, when we are talking about the Morning Star, it's, it's uh, a pity that uh, finally they have to give up uh, the, the business after uh, operating for more than 49 years. I know the founder 
John Lamb, he's a very intelligent and smart, hardworking man. He retired already. And this company has been sold several times to the different parties already. So it's not uh, owned by the original one. And uh, the reason why they have to stop the business, uh, as long as I know that uh, they have a supplier, a creditor from the Scandinavia, who handling the tour package in the, in the past time, did not pay, and they, they put it into the court case, and uh, they need to pay the debts uh, outstanding at the middle of January, but the holding company is uh, in uh, China, in mainland. So they uh, decided to give it up, give it up, uh, the business, and uh, they cannot pay mm-hmm. the money. Because the, the holding company is also related to the uh, real estate property business in mainland China, and the mm-hmm. main business and the core business also facing uh, with this uh, crisis, and they facing on this financial problem as well. So this is a morning star. So that why, that's why they need to uh, liquidate by themselves uh, uh, in Hong Kong to stop the service. Um, Jeff Bent, uh, so Freddie mentioned just now the the popularity and the importance of the cruises, the uh, cruise the to, cruises to nowhere. Very important yeah, yeah. for us. Sure, sure. So, um, well, Jeff Bent is uh, is with us. He's managing director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals. Oh, I mean, is, is there any prospect of the of, of cruises resuming? Well, in theory, they could um, they could start again after you know after two weeks. I think Royal Caribbean had booked with us through March seventeenth, and they have not um, you know canceled those dates. But um, they had an option, I think, to to either stay here another six months or go to Singapore, where they were due to go anyway uh, around September October. And I think because of the um, because of the policy in Hong Kong, both its uh, strictness and the lack of transparency, they, um, they, they felt it was safer to, to move the ship to Singapore. So they've advanced their departure, effectively? Um, I, I should say it was always a gray area, and right. then now they, they made the decision. They've gone firm. Yeah. And, and Freddie, from what you were saying before, it's the medium to large travel operators are really at risk now in Hong Kong. The small ones can maybe keep going, trimming their overheads with other bits of business, and travel is just one element. But the, the guys who focus on the industry, they, they, we're going to lose them, aren't we? Uh, I would like to say, if we, if we still remember that the Hong Kong government in Hong Kong always emphasizing that the tourism sector is one of the important, very, very important uh, uh, for Hong Kong economy. That's why you can see in what, they have, uh, what they have done, that they put $7 billion, $7 billion on putting up a cruise terminal. You remember that? And uh, they would like to make Hong Kong as the international cruise center. Uh, they are competing with the other uh, cruise terminal around this area. Finally, they can uh, um, invite some of the uh, cruise liner 
uh, to Hong Kong, like Ginting uh, and Royal Caribbean, use Hong Kong as the home port. And uh, I I find out that the policy uh, recently uh, happened that they are really not so friendly treat the cruise uh, industry, and they they consider the cruise liner as a transportation. As what they say, they they they, they didn't even uh, put up a very clear guideline to the cruise company. Uh, let them know since the day one they come to Hong Kong, they ask for a clear guideline that what to do with the cruises. If there is a suspected case or confirmed cases, how many days they should stop them. Uh, but they, they didn't uh, give them any reply officially yet. So I, 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 from, from our travel industry, uh, even uh, parties have, have already requested the government to, 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 to make it more transparent to them so they can know how to do it. Uh, so, so you can you imagine that 1,300 crew members uh, stay in the, uh, the, the cruise, stop for 21 days, how much money they have to lose uh, on, the, uh, uh, on expenses. Um, if the other country like Singapore to buy, uh, they, they welcome the cruises go there to, uh, to 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 provide service. So I think they will consider really the the policy of the government, uh, which one is better for them to run the business. Mm. So that's why I, uh, being a travel agency uh, running for so long, especially in the past one or two years, we we we. we we always uh, talking to the government. Uh, please let the crews stay Hong Kong to serve the Hong Kong people. In fact, uh, most of the Hong Kong people at the beginning they scare, they, uh, they they hesitate to join the cruise nowhere. But once they get into the ball, the crews and after the trip, they keep on uh, the, uh, talking to the friends to join the cruise nowhere. They enjoy so much. And as the past record, that there's none, there's none case happen uh, in the past uh, few months. Until now, these cruises uh, uh, cannot work; they are suspended uh, here. So uh, we don't know what to do. Actually, this is the policy of the government. Uh, we can, we don't know how they they they, they will. Uh, they carry on this kind of... Um, I, okay, Jeff, I, Jeff, Jeff, Ben, yep. yeah, would you, yeah, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I, I think um, in the absence of outbound travel, the domestic cruise to nowhere has really been a lifeline for the local travel industry, and, um, and it pays quite good commissions, too. So, so like Freddie was saying, you know, for a while, the travel agencies, you know, had a bit of life um, breathed back into them. But then um, when the flow of of ships stops you know then then the lifeline has has been cut and that's why everybody's so concerned so so we hope that um like freddie asked for there can be more policy transparency so that the cruise lines can make um educated uh decisions or informed decisions and um and continue to operate in in some fashion particularly after um 
the game changes with with new medicinal treatments out and you know now we're approaching 80 percent vaccination rate for adults um you know maybe it's time for a policy to be adjusted what about the cruise terminal itself well we're very happy that last fall we hit um 800 calls at which point um the government uh, roughly achieved payback on its um, $6.6 billion investment um, in terms of economic contribution. So um, in, that, in that sense, um, we're, we're glad to have made the money back um, for, for the government. Um, on the other hand, um, yeah, we're a business too. Uh, we're a private enterprise. Um, you know, people ask sometimes if I'm a government department and no, we're not. And um, yeah, it hurts us. It hurts us too. So. Um, we hope that we can continue to run our business. Actually, I don't think anybody wants handouts. I think everybody just wants to be able to go back to business. They want customers. Yeah, yeah. They want customers. Well, you, know, you know the Genting Jim Cruise, why they stopped the operations uh, on the last Friday? Because they are running, running out of the cash. They stopped and suspended the cruise sailing. Uh, so uh, without having the cash flow in, they don't have enough cash to run. No matter the company are so big in size, they need the cash flow. So suspend them one day or two days, okay. You know, they suspend them for 21 days, so they have to stop the operation without running uh, the business of no cash. So I hope that uh, the government can really, really consider that the cruise liner uh, is different with the transportation like the cargo ship or airplane cargo flight. These are, you consider them as a, a hotel, consider them like Ocean Park or um, the Disneyland. This is, is a travel, belong to the travel uh, industries, um, uh, is a vehicles that uh, providing the entertainment for the Hong Kong people. So if they, they look at this angle to allow these two cruises continue to run uh, in Hong Kong is good for the Hong Kong citizens, good for the port. They have the port charge income and there's employment involved that uh, more people can work and the travel agency, they can sell this package and make the commission to survive. Like the last time, the uh, uh, Hong Kong government announced that uh, they will give the cash subsidy again the new round to the travel agency you know that only 50,000 Hong Kong dollar per mm. license mm. Uh, to the travel agency can help a lot mm. okay uh, uh, instead yeah. of giving yeah. them the cash give them yeah. the the opportunity to run the business to sell more package maybe the uh, quarantines the can be reduced from 21 to 14 days right if mm. if quarantines are 14 days now maybe ships shouldn't be stopped for 21 right maybe that should be dropped to 14 as well mm. okay. okay okay all right well, th well well thank you both uh, very much and you know let's hope for uh, a better year in the year of the tiger which is coming up starting tomorrow um thanks very much to uh, jeff bent managing director of worldwide cruise terminals and thank you very much to Freddie Yip, president of the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association. And uh, for, for the last uh, six minutes or so of the programme, we're going to be turning our attention to our second topic, and that is with the uh, Lunar New Year coming up. Um, a question of uh, uh, Lycee packets. Um, uh, millions of Lycee packets will be uh, given out. 
and uh, one environmental uh, organisation, and and that is uh, the uh, Greeners Action, uh, Greeners Action, who we've spoken to before on a number of occasions, um, um, have a project going uh, to recycle. Uh, the red uh, lycee packets, uh, more than 5.6 million uh, packets, I think, uh, are, have been uh, collected for this purpose. Anyway, we're joined uh, on the line now by um, Man Yip, who's uh, Assistant Project Manager with uh, Greeners Action. Um, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thanks for thank you very much for joining us. Uh, um, sorry, yeah. to, sorry to keep you waiting there. Our, our previous discussion overran a little bit, but thank, thanks for joining us on the phone. Tell us more about uh, about uh, Lycee Reuse and Recycle Program 2022. Yeah, uh, Greenness Action uh, conducted this program uh, for around uh, 13 years, and from last year, as you mentioned about, yes, we collect around. 3.6 million uh, lightly packets from the public, uh, general public. And this year we are uh, distributing the uh, reborn lightly. The reborn lightly means the, uh, those collected uh, lightly packets were uh, uh, under uh, uh, the production of the shelter work, uh, workshop and they repackage and then they select those uh, which are in uh, good conditions and then we distribute to the general public before the Lunar New Year. So this is, uh, today is the last day uh, for the general public to collect so we bond lightly from our distribution point. Oh, and are you satisfied with the public response to this uh, ongoing annual project? Yes, uh, the response is getting uh, better and better mm. every year. For example, uh, this year we distributed like uh, o over uh, 3.3 million of reborn ID and uh, we set up uh, many uh, promotion counters in different districts and we distributed around 1.4 million of uh, mm. reborn ID and uh, those uh, remaining are distributing to uh, over 50 uh, distribution points like uh, from uh, 19th of January until today. Right. Good, good, good morning. Well, how was your liaison with the banks? Because recently, every time I walk into a bank, yeah. people give me a big <laughs> pile of red packets, empty ones, unfortunately. Yeah. But there yeah. doesn't seem to be any shortage of new ones coming out. I can think of three different banks that have given me a stack of red packets recently. Yes, so uh, that's why we uh, have another pro uh, uh, sector, for example, we call it like a green light detectors, uh, chatter. So we uh, encourage the, uh, no matter the banks or the corporate or shopping malls, etc., which they will uh, distribute the new light detectors, we encourage them to reduce and store. For example, they consider how much amount they need to print and then they need to like commit for uh, reducing 10%, and also we encourage them to do some uh, uh, work on the design. For example, no, uh, no uh, uh, rich year or static or uh, surname or something like this to uh, maximize the license packets for reuse for many, many years. Right. If, they, if they've all got tigers on them, then they can't be used for another 11 years, can they? 
<laughs> so uh, uh, for this year, we we found there is uh, there are some like a uh, tiger symbols yeah. on the lightsy packet. So we keep it for many many years. But we we this is a very very uh, uh, not of workload. So we encourage from the uh, source uh, encourage the copy to print the lightsy packet with uh, uh, no specific uh, design. What about electric lightsy, which mm-hmm. some of the banks seem to be advocating? For this year, for example, we found uh, many like relatives are uh, overseas and under the pandemic, and uh, people are not like uh, like previous. Uh, uh, they go to the relative home for like seeing each other, but they uh, prefer to stay at home. So uh, this is the new trend of electronic lighting, and we found it is a uh, some, somehow it is a good way for reducing the lighting packet. Uh, 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 usage. So this is uh, a good point and a good trend we we consider and we appreciate. But it's not quite as festive, is it? There's nothing like somebody in front of you a nice chanting, yes. "Nice, uh, here's your yes. here's your lightsy," and yes. you re- and you can open it straight away. Whereas yes. the banks are always emailing you. Yeah, the the atmosphere will be different, but I think uh, the. Maybe for the younger people, or they 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 like maybe consider that. But for the elderly, they they prefer like seeing each other uh, face by uh, face to face. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks very much uh, for speaking to us uh, on the program, uh, uh, Manyip, their assistant uh, project manager of uh, Greener's Action. Um, thank you very much uh, to our listeners. I'm, I'm afraid uh, um, I've just received um, a few emails. Uh, we had a bit of a problem with our email earlier on, so I'm, I'm fr- not enough time to read them this morning. But uh, but bear with us. Um, I'll try and read them on Friday because there's no back chat tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday because of the public holidays. We'll be having holiday programming instead. But uh, back chat will be back uh, on Friday. Um, I'll be here along with uh, Andrew Work. Um, thanks very much uh, to you for this morning's programme, Mike. Well, we, we do our best. Uh, pretty gloomy news on the, on the tourism front. Well, like I say, let's hope for a better year of the tiger. And, um, and thanks to all of our listeners and um, a very happy uh, Lunar New Year to all of our listeners. Um, right, just before we go to news summary and morning brew, a uh, quick look at the weather. Um, cold uh, in the mornings and at night... Uh, Mainly cloudy with a few rain patches. Temperatures will linger at around 15 degrees during the day. Uh, moderate to fresh northeasterly winds. And then the outlook uh, still relatively cold on Lunar New Year's Day. Windy with a few rain patches during the holidays. Currently it's 15 degrees, humidity 70%. As the risk of severe disease and death from COVID-19 increases with age, vaccines are highly recommended for the elderly. Common side effects are usually mild and temporary. Experts advise that those who have had flu shots before can safely receive COVID-19 vaccines. Even if you have a disease, you should get vaccinated as long as your condition is stable. Just staying home doesn't mean you're free from the risk of infection. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated early. The News Summary with Andrew Shirovsky. 
Authorities say a resident of Shekwa House in Kwai Chung's Shekle estate has tested positive for COVID during an overnight lockdown that was imposed after the virus was found in sewage samples. Police in Macau say they've arrested two men for alleged illegal gambling and money laundering in a case they say is linked to an investigation involving junket operator Sun City. And the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to their first Super Bowl since 1989 after a 27-24 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll have more on these and other stories at 10 o'clock. Thanks, Andrew. Congrats to the Bengals. Very good Monday morning to you. Uh, James Ross in for Phil Whelan all this week on The Morning Brew and a whole lot of music and chat for you this morning. She's into superstitions, black cats and voodoo dolls. I feel a premonition, that girl's gonna make me fall. She's into new sensations, new kicks in the candlelight. City. In the funk, it's a hotel. 